0: Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Bruce Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer scenes across the United States. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm again very happy to be joined by my co-host for these ABQ episodes, Isaac Bell. How's it going, Isaac? It's good. It's good. Living the dream. You had your your festival of smoked meats this I weekend. I Unfortunately, couldn't go. Uh, After mentioned COVID uh, positive on the last episode, how, how, how did the smoked meat festival go? Uh,
1: it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I took Friday off to, uh, to do all the, all the cooking.
0: Took a personal day.
1: Love it. I, I, I took a personal day. Uh, the Festival of Smoked Meats uh, went off with, without a hitch. Uh, we had everything ready on, on Friday and come Saturday. The pastrami was delicious. Weather was a little chilly, but um, good beers were had. And we had four briskets. We went through three of them. Um, the other ones, you know, are going to be Rubens for the rest of time. And uh, yeah, I'm still coming, still coming off of. It. I feel like I need a salad for for like every day after pastramica. A uh,
0: uh, uh, pastrami salad.
1: A pastrami salad, right? Yeah, kind of like the 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 Pittsburgh salad, right? With some French fries. Got to
0: do it. I know, I know, I stand Pittsburgh on this show. Not a fan on the fri- of the fries on the salad. I'm
1: a fan of fries on anything. It, it might be my favorite food. Well, good for you.
0: Yeah, I, I I know a city that's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've already fallen in love with it. Uh, well, that's great. And that's not the city we're talking about tonight. Segway, we're still exploring ABQ, and we've got another great brewery to feature on today's episode. We've got Marble Brewery in the house. We're going to be enjoying their Pilsner and Double White. Marble opened uh, back in 2008 and was definitely a major influence for albuquerque's modern beer scene and we've got a great guest who's super knowledgeable about everything going on at marble so we should jump right into things please welcome the production manager at marble brewery john heine john how's it going
2: good thanks for having me
0: oh uh, thanks for joining us dale in the chat says john how are things in the mcu is is john heine a character in, is john heine a marvel character in the mcu
2: the marvel cinematic universe yeah oh maybe somebody thought you said marvel brewery instead of marble brewery
0: uh yeah my mush
2: Mar- marble like the little glass ball you throw on the ground
0: yes the marvel, marvel cinematic oh, oh my universe God, it's even better there dale, it is it yeah is no better. i
2: wouldn't know um I, marvel cinematic yeah well yeah i wouldn't know
0: dale you're hired <laughs> yeah Dale can you uh can you punch up our uh, run a show next Co- week we'll this week i'm I'm retiring oh my God so let's get started with our quick sip questions uh fast questions fast answers helps to get our uh get to know our guests fast John are you ready I'm ready cool favorite non marble beer
2: absolutely gonna go with a half a bison out of the Bavarian region in Germany. Uh, absolutely
0: going with Einger's half of Eisen. Ianger, solid, solid brewery. Uh, cozy tap room or lively beer garden.
2: Uh, you know, I'm. It just depends on the weather for me. Uh, when it's sunny outside and I'm in the mood, I'm I'm out there having fun, being sociable. If it's a cold, rainy afternoon and I'm feeling a little introverted, uh, a nice little fire in a, a dark corner is my spot.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Czech or German pills?
2: It's odd that you're asking that because we brew with 100% (laughs) reverse osmosis water to give ourselves like absolute zeros on total dissolved solids, but we submit it and we call it a German style pills blows my mind. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with a uh, Czech style pills myself. I like a little bit more, uh, body, a little bit, uh, of that nice malt character. Uh, and I think when people talk about a traditional German style Pilsner, in my mind, it's a little bit more leaning on the bitterness side. And I, I appreciate a little of the aroma, the flavor hops that we're getting out of some of those, uh, bohemians.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big, big Zaz guy myself, red or green chilies.
2: Oh, yeah, that that question got brought up. Uh, I'm into (laughs) both. And a a lot of times I I, uh, come back to the waiter or waitress and say, which is hotter? You know, we're we're into fiery foods here. We're into strong flavors. But they both have their good qualities, you know.
0: Okay, keeping on to the Albuquerque Albuquerque topics. Better call Saul or Breaking Bad?
2: Uh, I used to be in the film industry before I got into brewing. And I unknowingly filmed one day on like a, a... special effects team with Breaking Bad, but I never watched the series uh, up until that point. And then I found out after the day that I was working there that it was a special effects stunt team for a Breaking Bad episode. Uh, I'm gonna go with Breaking Bad.
0: <laughs> that, that is so awesome. That's cool. That is my favorite show of all time. So we might have follow-up questions on that. Finally, my uh, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our favorite quick sip question. John, have you ever seen a UFO, Bigfoot, a ghost, anything inexplicable?
2: No, but a lot of people call me Bigfoot. <laughs> I'm 6'6", I wear like a 15 wide, I've got a twin brother who's just as tall as me, and in New Mexico, uh, I, I stick out like a sore thumb.
1: We've learned so much about you in such a short period of time.
2: Good.
0: Yeah. The, I would say most successful quick sips. Yeah. pretty good that was a good one well that's great let's get into our first beer here uh john uh the marble pilsner this beer has won a few accolades including four total gabf medals two world beer cup medals uh what's the secret
2: doing everything right because that's a possibility um you know going (laughs) to school in germany we heard from uh from professor Nazis. uh rest in peace uh do your three proper hop additions, give it a bitterness addition, give a flavor and give it an aroma addition. And then follow the brew log, follow your steps in order to repeat success. We're, we're doing, the possibility is there to, to do everything by the letter of the law and that's the way we do it.
0: So this is a, this is a German style Pilsner that um, gets dry hopped and is unfiltered?
2: We don't have a filter here at Marble Brewery. We, we do have a centrifuge. All of our beers go through that, but we do not filter. And yeah, it, for years and years and years, it was just loggered to, to clarity. But uh, yeah, we do the American version and uh, add a whole bunch of dry hops at the end because why the fuck not? Sorry.
0: No, you're good. <laughs> no, it's all right. Why the fuck not? Yeah. I, I if, if, if I were asked the Czech or German Pilsner, my, uh, my weaselly out of the question answer would actually be dry hop pilsner i i i like any pilsner that's dry hop new zealand style you want to dry hop a czech style with a bunch of zaws you want to try dry hop a german pilsner you want to dry hop a bud light i'm going to drink it well miller light well yeah one of them one of yeah.
2: them but yeah the dry hops are are in there and uh i think recently we've struggled to find the right category to to submit it in for some of these festivals uh hence putting it in the zwickle and and most recently They've opened up that uh, Italian style or or hoppy style Pilsner category, and shebang, there we are.
1: John, I'm going to say something that I don't normally see on a Pilsner from a can. Uh, The carbonation in this thing is just ripping. I love it. Nice. Uh, Usually, I think that that's one thing that's lacking. I don't
0: know. Brian, are you getting that? It's nice. It's very lively on the tongue, which definitely helps that more subtle hop flavor jump out there. It's really smooth. Despite that yeah, like I'm, bubbliness. I'm, I'm kicking here oh nice! Well, you got you, you got your little fancy etched, etched bottom glass there huh oh yeah yeah well I
1: I wasn't gonna embarrass myself but I, I'm gonna embarrass myself I was thinking man this Pilsner is pretty cloudy I'm not sure what John's talking about over there uh, and then I was like and it's got some real bubblegum esters to it as well um and then I quickly realized that I poured the wrong
2: beer. I was going to say,
1: yeah, yeah. I was like, man, this tastes like a wit. Um, Yeah. So my Pilsner glass actually has, uh, has the other beer in it. And my uh... anyways. Well, yeah. In
2: addition to dry hopping, all good Pilsners are uh, are brewed with Belgian wet yeast. Everybody knows that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Bubblegum character. Yeah. (laughs) Hit it with some coriander. Oh, totally. That's right. Let's talk about your background. What led you to your role with Marble besides the film industry?
2: sure it's i mean it's a it's a long story I, I graduated with a degree in fine arts from the university near mom university of new mexico and i was questioning myself like do i offer menthol or regular or decaf or then i found that you know there's the the breaking bad we had a good film industry it sort of uh, petered out for me i didn't really find a niche there and classic story my brother bought me a homebrew kit between uh between gigs I got hooked. Uh, I've always been a big fan of beer, flavor, things like that. So after working at the, the local homebrew store, I found the Siebel Institute, did the World Brewing Academy in between Siebel Institute in Chicago and the Dumen's Academy in Grateful Thing outside of Munich, Germany. And two days after I flew back home from Germany, I walked into the marble tap room and put down my application and here I am.
1: I'd love to hear it.
2: It's really for me, I look at this brewing industry the same way as I would look at any other form of fine art that you get to be creative with flavors, using different inputs, different ingredients and understanding the role and that all those ingredients play, you can really make some magic happen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Riffing off of that a little bit, being a production manager there, it sounds like you have you know the ultimate brewing experience under under your belt, uh, or at least the the education and school for it. But on a day to day basis, what what is your job as production manager at Marble? Like, what does that look like?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I I didn't really get into brewing to do this, but uh, it's a lot of personnel management. But on the day to day, I'm really looking at the global scale in our brewery where where's our inventory level at at the market? What's the best decision to move forward? Should we brew more Pilsner? Should we brew more red? Should we package double white today? Should we package double white six packs? Should we package 12 packs? Do we have all the inventory? Do we have enough materials for tomorrow's brew? Do we have enough labor to get through all the tasks that I've assigned? Um, And it's just looking at that on a, a global scale. And I've sort of let go and really found a lot of trust in our head brewer here to to manage recipes, to manage some of that stuff so that I can look at it in terms of, we need another 1,500 cases of this beer out in the market tomorrow, or we need to make sure that we're keeping our yeast alive. So I'm really looking at it sort of as a, a bigger umbrella scale, but at a certain point, everything is under under that umbrella. I have to go talk to you know packaging, make sure you get your dates on the can people, you know, on the warehouse, make sure that we correctly label those pallets and all 20 kegs get on that when you put it on the truck. So it's a, it's a lot of different things. And then it, at a lot of times it comes down to uh, chatting with people and making sure that the, our most important ingredient, our our workforce is in a good spot.
1: Sure. Yeah. That's, it's like those guys, you know, that open up a brewery that uh, supplemented, you know, then, it, the, oh, this would be fun to open up a brewery. You know, I, I can make all the beer I want. People tell me my beer is great. And then, you know, they're doing marketing and they're doing HR and they're doing literally everything else except making beer. And
2: no, the longer I've worked at this brewery, the less and less I
1: want to open up my own. <laughs> yeah, I completely understand that.
0: Yeah, I was having discussions with people earlier. It's it, there are so many moving pieces behind any business that you really don't yeah. you really don't get to get an understanding for until you get get behind the scenes. I would say in a comparable industry at, at the very least, and and something with a with a brewery like when you're at that scale where you're sending beer off to different states and you have multiple tap rooms that you have to supply, you really need someone that's like a project manager. You're having cross functional meetings you're getting data from sales and and translating that and telling packaging what to do you're managing personnel like you said and it's a uh, it's a super crucial role that i don't think a lot of people you know if you hand somebody that's a beer fan a business card that says production manager they're probably not going to ask you all the same annoying questions that they would uh, if if you had had brewer on there when do you add the alcohol and and so on and so forth
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i love those I love those. But no, you're absolutely right that it I realize in my role that it as much control as I have and, and really directing what's going on here, that it that I've had to give up some of that that title of you know head brewer, had to give up and and really it's learning to trust the rest of the people on the team. And we have a really, really, really strong team and convincing myself that I can't do it all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once you get really good at something, uh, if you're in a if you're in a company, they're gonna find a way to uh, try to get you to pick other people that are good at things too. And uh, you slowly move away from the thing that you really love doing and uh, you find ways to learn to love new things and uh, apply what you learned and, and what, what got you into that original endeavor to these new challenges. And uh, it's crazy how people people's career take off like that, especially in the brewing world. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely, absolutely.
0: So in my research for this show, um, I found a case study on marble from Aber Instruments who makes scientific equipment for breweries and biotech industry and a bunch of other cool stuff. We always hear that beer is where science meets art. What type of role can advanced equipment and analysis play in small to midsize, mid-size breweries like uh, Marble?
2: Well, you know, I've always said uh, here at Marble, like we're starting to use science like a real brewery. Um, we're, we're really going to get there one of these days. But uh, to me, it's it's a level of understanding, just being able to have that knowledge delivered to you in an accurate and predictable sense. It's very uh, repeatable. And specifically for that piece of equipment, the, the Aber Perfect Pitch, you know, instead of taking multiple samples from a, a crop throughout harvest and saying we we're counting cells at the beginning of the crop, the middle of the crop, the end of the crop, it's counting all the way through. So we're getting cell concentration from start to finish. So we know exactly how many cells we're putting in and what that translates to for us is a more predictable fermentation. I have a a much better understanding of when this beer is going to hit terminal, when we're going to be able to move forward uh, with production. Having some other tools in in the lab there really gives us just that much more objective measurements on certain things and lets us you really fall back on that science that, you know, for me, I learned a lot of it in, in class at Siebel and then you show up at a brewery and they're like, here's a tri clamp. And there's a cake, the beer that needs stacking. And I was like, I didn't learn anything about this, uh, but being able to apply <laughs> some of those things is great. And it, it really gives you the opportunity to let your employees flex their brain muscles as opposed to their back muscles. Yeah.
0: Mm. I like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's very cool uh, to be able to, to have that technology. But I think and I believe that probably everybody out there is ready to talk a little bit about our second beer, which is the Double White. That's marbles and version of the classic Belgian white. I've already given you a little tasting notes from my first sip on it there accidentally. But yeah, I think we're ready to go. If you haven't poured it into a glass yet, folks, now's the time.
2: Yeah, Double White's one of our uh, crowd favorites. It's definitely one of our staples. It's been in the lineup for a number of years being out there in the market. And uh, it's a flavor profile that uh, you can't deny. It's not that people are looking for something light or not hoppy. People search out that clove and bubblegum and sure, you know, specific spice phenol flavor profile yeah
1: and you know what i think is the most dangerous thing about this is uh somewhere in there this is allegedly a seven percent
2: yeah that's the yeah. double
0: card. yep yeah very smooth hides hides that seven percent mm-hmm. abv you could you could put it you could put it in front of me and be like this is a beer that's with the same abv is like five percent yeah i was gonna yeah. say like port city port city's oh, yeah. white but then i forgot the name yeah. uh right. optimal uh, wit thank optimal you optimal wit, wit. wit. Yeah.
2: Funny story, when I started at Marble, uh the brewer that trained me had just come from Port City, brewing oh. that and had his own opinions, but we would always ask him, like, what what do you think <laughs> about it? And then they kept winning medals, so we kind of had to listen to him. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you go head to head with Allagash every year in the Belgian right. white category, <laughs> that's that's that says a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, dangerous.
2: It is a uh, troublemaker. It is a troublemaker here for us. That, uh, that nice, lovely sky deck that's behind you there, Isaac, has, uh, has seen a lot of issues.
1: Uh, <laughs> I bet. Looks like it's got railings on it, so you're, you're good there.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just
1: people have fun. Yeah, like this guy over my shoulder
0: uh, here who's cheering me on. Yeah, yeah. He's saying
2: grab another.
0: That's right. Is Double White a big, a big part of the production at Marble?
2: Yes, it's still our number one uh, in terms of output. It was number one by a much wider margin a few years ago. Uh, we've seen some other beers really get closer as far as the, that output. I think at one point it was well over 50% of our total output. Now I think the top three are are a lot closer together. You know, there's not that discrepancy of, of volume movement.
0: Yeah, people are less brand faithful. These days, ever more so. Something we talk about a lot on the show is like people iterating with different beer series and batches and hop combinations, but with something like Double White or even Pilsner, these year round kind of flagship beers for a brewery like Marble. How much iteration happens year to year to dial that into what tastes like Double White to the team?
2: Well, I think, you know, one, we're we'd like to stay in this mode of continuous improvement, like leave some room for everything to always be better. We're always going to say that could be just that much better. We could just tweak it a little bit. And then two, in the brewing community, we all know that all of our ingredients change slightly year to year. The, The next hop crop is slightly different than this. The next, you know, malt crop, all of those things are changing. And it's up to us to interpret those changes and make changes in our process or our recipe in order to, to provide a consistent flavor profile. So there's that aspect, but as far as like iterations tweaking and stuff, we, we don't do too much with the Pilsner. We used to take the double white and put it into Chardonnay barrels, add some funk to it and turn it into a farmhouse. And it was a lovely base for oh my. A, a nice, you know, slightly funky, slightly tart farmhouse style beer. It's got about 15% oats, 10% wheat in there. The rest is barley. So it's got some good adjunct qualities, leftover uh, long chain starches for some of that stuff to sink its teeth into and chew up. But those are really the sort of the iterations that we do other than, you know, adding a little bit of fruit to a cask and letting the bar top go wild.
0: (laughs) So in 2021, you did a collaboration with the Santa Fe based art and entertainment company Meow Wolf, uh, releasing Day Ghost, a rice lager perfect for pairing with Meow Wolf's immersive interactive insanely unique experiences what was that whole experience like working with them
2: that that was that's a really good question it was we're sitting there we knew what meow wolf is all about and it's like neon electric all over the place just so so much sensory experience and we thought they were going to come into this saying, we want something bright pink, you know, dry hop with some unobtainium esoteric ingredient. And then they were like, no, it's got just a light lager, you know, something nice and crisp. And then in a, in a sense, I like that juxtaposition of having something very, you know, it's not that it's unremarkable, it's it's very nice beer, but it's not other, for other words, hugely exciting in terms of adjuncts or, or things like that. And it's nice to have that pairing you know, that you have something steady and constant and, and easy to drink while you're getting your mind blown.
0: Yeah,
1: they're like, everybody already shows
2: up on psychedelics.
1: Let's do something really light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I
2: mean, I can't speak necessarily to that, but uh, yeah, there, there's an element of that. And uh, we had just released the a year or two before our Mexican style light lager called Cerveza uh, that's corn based. And Throwing a little rice in there was a nice change. I think you definitely pick up a different flavor quality from it. The corn definitely has some sweetness and the rice has this nice dry, crisp toastiness to it. I
1: think it's really refreshing
2: and it's fun to make.
1: Corn lager mixed with a rice, uh, corn and
0: rice lager. No, yeah, there you go. Isaac, you mentioned psychedelics. Uh, Just for the folks at home, Meow Wolf has locations in New Mexico, Nevada, and Colorado. Three places where recreational cannabis is legal. Just throwing that out there.
1: Yeah, great gratification. We've talked a little bit about the beers that you've already done, uh, but what does Marble have planned for 2023? We're nearly there.
2: Yeah, so one thing that we're really looking into is uh, is getting into a rotating hoppy series, trying to just get some excitement back. You know, having a beer like Double White Cerveza and some of those be some of your top sellers. We're definitely looking to to make sure we maintain our ground for some of the hop heads and, and we're keeping things fresh there. We've had the same IPA. It's not the same where we're constantly evolving, but we've sold marble IPA since 2008 and it's been called marble IPA. So having something new and exciting in that hoppy realm is really important to us. And that gets our, our production team excited. We're really going to explore, you know, you guys mentioned rice and corn and this, but looking to explore some lighter flavor profiles and lighter ABVs for some folks to, you know, bring marble with them on all their journeys, on their experiences, getting out. New Mexico is a big community of outdoor enthusiasts going hiking, going camping. Um, And sometimes when it's 97 degrees out and you just finished hiking 15 miles, like a a semi-warm shaken up IPA just really hits your tongue a little funny. So right. having some crispy and, and light, um, we're excited about exploring that. And we've got a good history of, of brewing nice, light, crispy, well-attenuated lagers. So looking at that and then uh, and jumping into some more fun stuff. Next year's our 15th anniversary. So we're really going to celebrate that hard. We're really going to push out a lot of fun events to commemorate the, the fact that we're 15 now.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yes. Somebody in our chat was mentioning that they had a they had a double white back. And I think they said 2011. I was like, wow, they've been around.
2: Yeah. It started out as something like just a special seasonal. And then, you know, you come home with a, a GABF gold and it's kind of hard to not put it out there. Lean into it. Yeah why, yeah. why not? And as soon as we did, it really just took off.
0: Yeah. We, we mentioned, I mentioned the, uh, six accolades that Pilsner has gotten double whites also won itself two GABF medals. And, uh, yeah, it, it, winning a gold medal is, is a very hard thing to do. As we've talked about on this podcast, you have to have your timing, right? It's gotta be the right batch. Everything's going to be dialed in, uh, in a lot of ways you gotta be in the right category. And, and there's so many factors that go into winning even a single medal, in one year so for any beer to win multiple medals across multiple different years with different packs of judges it's it's really impressive and it shows all that you know it's it's a test to testament to all the work that you and the, the brew team do at marvel i want to jump back to something that we said earlier you don't get to brew much uh being production manager can you remember the last time you grained out a batch
2: Oh, yeah. Last week I was helping our, our brewer because uh, we got a stuck mash and it was awesome. I do take regular brew shifts. I come okay. up there probably twice a month. I take a an AM brew shift coming at four, get going on a couple couple turns and then, uh, you know, have to answer some emails when nine o'clock rolls around. But I, I generally do myself in the head brewer. We do regular brew shifts up there. We have a Pondorf pump to get most of our spent grain out, but when things go wrong, we pull out those 55-gallon drums and everybody grabs a shovel. So, yeah, (laughs) we had a a couple of fun fun afternoons last week. I'm always there to to jump in if we have that happen, you know? We've all been there. It's not the best part, but Ah. at some point, you got to get it done before you can go home. That's right.
0: Well, as a terrible... As a I'm not terrible. As a mediocre home brewer, I've been there m- more times than than most. But it's certainly not the same when it's just like ten gallons compared to, you know, a thirty barrel batch that has a stock right. mash on it. So.
2: yeah, everybody, everybody loves like two thousand pounds of grain on the floor.
0: <laughs> it's a fun day in the brew house. I always say, you know
1: what? I'd really love to have in my basement two thousand pounds of spent grain.
0: Oh. I was hoping you were gonna say uh, slope floors and a custom drain.
2: Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have the like the CIP spray ball in your bathroom? You just like <laughs> yeah. close the door and turn it <laughs> off. It's
1: like those bathrooms in the parks where, like, at midnight they just like shut up down and just spray
0: everything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like one of those too. That's amazing. So other than the beer scene, of course, what is, what is one thing or some things that you wish Albuquerque was more well known for?
2: Well, let me start that out by saying, I wish we were less well known for just breaking bad. <laughs> and, although yeah. that, it, it's very accurate. Um, that seems to take quite a bit of the attention. Um, I think it would be nice if people recognize that, uh, that the city here is, is quite modern. We're a part of the United States. Um <laughs> Most people speak both (laughs) languages, but uh, just that we're, we're a part of it. We're, we're exploring flavors. We're exploring craft beer. We're, we're trying to advance things here and to recognize that we're a city that half the population either works for the air force or the national lab. And the other half uh, tends to lean in towards like being a fine artist or being a a craftsperson or doing uh, woodworking, things like that. And it's a, it's this, wonderfully diverse group of people that can hang out at the bar together you've got somebody who's doing nuclear engineering next to somebody who's painting with nutella
0: <laughs> my favorite kind of art oh my god yeah i'm a real uh i'm a real real big fan of the nutella medium between albuquerque and santa fe it seems like there's an amazingly strong art scene just in what little i've read in these couple weeks doing research
2: yeah, I mean, we have. Uh, it was home to Georgia O'Keeffe for a number of years, and yep. you know that that's a nice big one. But and, yeah. the, the Southwest art scene is was big, but there's still plenty of people actively contributing now, and there's there's a very vibrant scene of creatives here.
0: And look, if you're going to go there to go on the Breaking Bad tour, do other stuff too. Like, if that's what draws you there, check out what else the city has, because it's it's gorgeous city.
2: Go for the Rio Grande. You can walk across it. It's not that deep or wide. <laughs> and it doesn't have that much water. But yeah, go do that. Go check out the Sandia Mountains. You can go skiing in Albuquerque, even though we're way down south here. There's plenty of wildlife to check out. We have vul- active volcanoes. We have, you know, yeah. all kinds of stuff.
1: Somewhere out there is a parks and rec. Somebody that works for them. They're like, do not cross the Rio Grande, please. It's yes. incredibly dangerous. I'm Don't doing. listen to John.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to do the the douchebag touristy thing and, and tie it back to Breaking Bad. Uh, when Walter is in the mountains in New Hampshire in the later episodes, that's actually shot just outside of Albuquerque. Yep. In the same in the same shooting schedule, they sh- they shot the other episodes that season. Yeah. yeah. There's so much diverse climate there. There's such a beautiful. Diverse population of people there and rich culture and so much to see there. Yeah, sure. Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, set there. Yeah, whatever. They shot the good and bad, the ugly there. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. You want to talk about the film and stuff that they made there? That's one of the greatest movies ever. And then also go check out the other stuff. Check out the food scene, check out the art scene. And of course, check out the great beer scene uh, with wonderful breweries like Marble. Absolutely. Absolutely. John, thanks so much for joining us. Anything to plug before we take off here?
2: I just want to say we're so stoked to be a part of this here, uh, joining your podcast. And we're not the only ones. I know you guys have featured some other breweries, but uh, there's a great brewing scene. And it's just so exciting for me. We really are a community of brewers that treats each other like a cup of sugar for a neighbor. Uh, There's no secrets here. We're sharing stuff. We're helping each other out. And come down and check it out. We've got a lot of fun flavors.
0: Yeah, as a huge fan of the American Southwest, go down there. It's hard to make an argument for a more beautiful place in terms of the uh, the landscape and everything that that area has to offer. And Albuquerque is a, a shining example of a metropolitan area within all of that beautiful landscape. So go check it out. Yeah, follow Marble Brewery. Thanks to Marble for supplying these awesome beers. Isaac, final thoughts?
1: Uh, no, I just I want to go to Albuquerque now
0: come down ask
2: for big john you know where i'm
1: at that's right i'm i'm going to ask for bigfoot
2: all right yeah do that yeah, we'll after i that.
1: cross the rio grande
2: there you go
0: there you go <laughs> the, the, EM, the EM, emt's will wheel you in on a stretcher <laughs> and it will be like i'm here for big john yeah and the double white <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and more double white and the pilsner that tastes like bubble gum <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, both of these beers were phenomenal. This was so enjoyable. Thanks again, John, for joining us. Thanks, Marble, for sending us beers. Thanks for participating. We, we love being able to showcase these beers and, and these amazing breweries and tell some of the stories that have made these places special to these local beer scenes. So thanks for supplying beers for the Beer Club. Shout out to the Beer Club subscribers. Cheers, shout out to you guys. You can join the beer club too and get awesome beers like these shipped to you and help support the show. Check out subscription options at Bruvana.com. You can find more from Marble at marblebrewery.com. And uh, you can follow us on social media at brewvana. We're gonna talk about the 12 beers of Christmas and Happy Hanukkah until they're over. When this episode drops on podcasts, the Happy Hanukkah will already be in full swing. So, make sure to join us. Check us out on streaming platforms. We'll put it out on the socials. And yeah, we'll be back next week with our next wonderful episode of Brews Less Traveled, featuring another great ABQ brewery and another great guest. But until then, stay safe, be kind, and support local breweries, everybody. Cheers. Peace out. Bonus nachos. <laughs>